Good morning, everyone here. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well. Good morning to everyone tuning in online, and good morning to our friends in Farmington Hills. I know Pastor Scott's over there today. Pastor Sean, good morning to you guys. Good morning to the Grubar family and the Stratton family. And Mr. Ray, I know you're greeting today, so good morning. We're one church, two locations, one family. So uh, glad for all of us to be together this morning. We're going to continue our series called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And we're going to see these incidents where God speaks through angels. And we're going to see how God's people respond when they are spoken to by these angels in this way that's probably very shocking for them, even. And so uh, let's go before our Lord this morning and pray, and then we'll dive into the Word together. Father God, we come to you in your mighty Son's Jesus' name. God, we thank you for your Word. God, we thank you that you have chosen to speak to us. God, we pray that you would meet us right where we are. God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of in the lives of your people. You know what they need. You know what they're going through today. I pray that the soil of our hearts would be fertile ground for the seed of your word. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. There was a man by the name of John Francis, and in the 1970s, he loved to argue. He was a young man at the time. He was full of passion and zeal. Specifically, he was full of passion and zeal about the environment. He was so passionate about the environment that he wouldn't even ride in an automobile. So he just walked everywhere that he went. And so he often found himself in some kind of debate or some kind of an argument. And he, over time, got the reputation of being kind of a nuisance to his friends and families. Like, oh, here he goes again with another argument, trying to convince us of his way. And he even thought to himself, hmm, this isn't really working. Maybe I should try something else. And so on his 27th birthday, he decided to take a vow of silence. And originally, this vow of silence was to be for one day. He'd take one day, and he just wouldn't talk. He'd, he'd listen. He'd hear what other people had to say. And on that day, he did it. And he was like, oh, wow, that's what it's like to actually hear from other people. And one day of silence eventually became 17 years of silence. True story, John Francis took a 17-year vow of silence. He did not open his mouth again until 1990. He brought his whole family together to hear from him. And so in those 17 years of silence, though, he learned a lot. He walked the country. He walked from the West Coast. He was from San Francisco. So he walked from the West Coast to the East Coast. He received three academic degrees, including a master's degree from the University of Montana and a PhD from the University of Wisconsin. He eventually became a professor and he taught classes with an interpreter and his classes were some of the most popular classes in the, in the school. He got a job working for the military, writing material to help uh, with the environment. And so 17 years of silence, he did a lot. But the thing that he would say that he learned the most in those 17 years of silence was how to listen. It was easy for him to talk. He loved to talk. He loved to share his opinion. He loved being understood more than he did 
understanding other people. So he loved to talk. It was nothing for him to talk, but it took him 17 years to learn how to listen. It wasn't that he wasn't able to hear audible words or that he wasn't uh, picking it up. The issue was that his pride was up here and it made him uh, very hard of hearing when it came to other people's opinions and thoughts. This is what he had to say. He said, I began to learn what other people felt. I learned to pay attention to people without cutting them off. I used to do that. I used to listen to someone just enough to think I knew what they were going to say. Then I would stop listening because I thought I knew what they were going to say. And then I would start thinking about what I was going to say back to show them that they were wrong or that I could say that better. He wanted to be understood, but over time he learned how to understand people. Now he travels the world and he talks about his experience, 17 years in silence, and he talks to people about what he's learned. And the thing that he's learned the most is how to slow down, hear from other people, and to listen. If we're honest, maybe we can relate to John Francis a little bit. Maybe we desire to be understood sometimes more than we desire to understand. And because of this, we can miss out a lot. Maybe we miss out on what someone is trying to share with us and impart into our lives. Maybe we miss out on what other people are saying, and maybe just maybe we miss out on what God is saying to us. Because we have to ask ourselves, do we really want to hear what God has to say about this matter, fill in the blank, whatever that is? Do we really want to know what he has to say about this? Are we really ready to receive what he wants to give us? Here's what we know. The posture of our hearts influences our capacity to hear from God and our ability to receive from God. The posture of our hearts influences our capacity to hear from God and our ability to receive from God. Because maybe we're too proud to hear it, whatever that may be. Maybe we don't believe that the person who's speaking into our lives knows what they're talking about, and so we're preparing our answer while they're speaking into our lives. Maybe we're, we're, we're too hurt to, to, to hear what someone else is saying in our, in, our, in our lives. Maybe we're too hurt to accept that forgiveness. Maybe, maybe we're too hurt to accept that apology. And so when someone's trying to apologize, maybe we're too hurt. Maybe we're too busy. We're moving around. We're, we're too busy to hear. Maybe we're too cynical to receive a good thing because we've seen so many bad things and we've experienced so much and we have so much experience in life that when a good thing comes, we're kind of close-fisted and we're not quite ready to receive. Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves to receive a compliment or affirmation. Maybe someone is speaking affirmation into your life, speaking hope into your life, telling you good things about you. Imagine that. And maybe you're too hard on yourself to receive that. Maybe we're too committed to our plans. But one thing that we know, the posture of our hearts influences our capacity to hear from God and our ability to receive from God. As we come to our text today, in our, in our series, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we're going to see God speaking to his people through angels 
And to me, the more amazing part about all of this, we're going to hear how God's people respond to him. We're going to see how they have the posture of a learner, the posture of a listener, and we're going to see how God works in their lives through their ability to listen to him, even though God is going to present some pretty outrageous things that he wants them to do. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, picking up in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. All right. We have to read this in its true emotional context and historical context. Historically, when a person was engaged in that period, it was called betrothal. And it was a lot more serious and binding than our modern understandings of engagement. Usually, this was an arranged marriage. A father would pick a bride for his son, and then there was a contract signed There was a blessing spoken over this by a rabbi. A ring was exchanged, and they were technically and legally married. The only way that betrothal could be broken was by legal divorce, and so they were bound. But in this 12-month period, the bride would continue to live with her family, the groom would continue to live with his family, and there would be a time of preparation and a time of testing even for the fidelity of this whole thing. And this was a very serious process. In the middle of this process, Joseph finds out that his bride-to-be is with child and the baby is not his. Okay, we got to read this in his emotional context, people. This would have been serious. This would have been some drama. Keeping up with the Kardashians ain't got nothing on this. You find out that your bride-to-be is with child. There would have been some sad R&B music and sad blues music playing that night. Possibly sitting on the couch eating ice cream and Chunky Monkey and crying. That would have been me, all right, if I get hit with this kind of bombshell. So, What is Joseph going to do? He finds out that his bride-to-be is with child. Let's see how he responds. This shows us his character. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I love how the ESV says a just man. This means that Joseph understood his rights as a man who had potentially been the victim of some kind of infidelity in this case. And so a man in Joseph's position could have done one of three things. One, he could have chosen to publicly shame her and put her on blast. He could have changed his social media Facebook status from engaged to single and put her on blast in front of everybody. That's one option. In real, in real time in that point in history, a person could be stoned for adultery according to the Mosaic law. And so he could have publicly shamed her. He could have took out his vengeance. Or the second option that he had, according to the Mosaic Law, he could resolve to divorce her quietly. You only, need two, you only needed two witnesses. They could have went to a private room with those two witnesses. They could have signed it away. Or there was also provision in the law for him to take her to be his wife. That would have been the most risky for him because it would have looked like they consummated the, the, the marriage before the wedding and Joseph had partaken in something that he shouldn't have. And now he's going to have to take on any shame that Mary was going to have to take on as well. And so he had a lot of thinking to do that night. I imagine he was tossing and turning in his sleep. 
and he resolved to divorce her quietly. He chose the second option. I'm just, I care about her too much. I don't want to publicly shame her. I don't want her to be hurt in any kind of way, but we're just going to do this quietly, and we'll go about our business. So that night, Joseph was lying in bed. I, I imagine he was tossing and turning, trying to figure this thing out, and this is what happens. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying in a, in a dream, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you, emphasis on you, Joseph, you have a role to play in this, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's unpack that a little bit. An angel is speaking to Joseph in his sleep. God sent an angel. Angels are messengers. We, we know that angels are ministering spirits that God sends into his people's lives to come alongside them for guidance, for direction, for encouragement, for, for hope. And that's what God is doing in this scenario. He sends an angel to speak to Joseph because the man is in a tough situation. He needs some divine intervention. He needs a word from God. He's having a hard time figuring this thing out. And the, the angel speaks to him and calls him son of David. Now, the angel isn't wasting words here. That word son of David, that phrase son of David is very important. In this gospel, Matthew is making the case that Jesus is the Messiah. And by calling Joseph son of David, he's preparing the way for the Messiah, who is Jesus. In order for a person to have rights to the throne, they would have to be a descendant of King David. Joseph has a very important role to play here. The man's father would have to be a descendant of King David if that man would have the legal rights to be king. So Joseph, this is a big deal. You have a very big role to play, and I know you're terrified. I know you probably would rather just to get this over with and divorce her quietly, but I'm asking you to take a step of faith, and trust me, Joseph is in a crossroads where he has to decide if he's going to fear, if he's going to fear man or, or, he, or is he going to fear God. Let's, let's see how he responds. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is a big deal, Joseph. You're playing a role in a big story. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph had an open hand. He understood and accepted the fact that he wasn't in control of this situation, and that was okay. He didn't even get to decide what he was going to name the child. He, he was completely surrendered. Okay, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to take Mary to be my wife. Okay, I'm going to name the child Jesus just as you, you told me to. And this is such an example of a person with a humble posture, with a listening posture. Imagine if he would have said, man, I don't know what's happening with this dream, but I'm out. I'm not going to put myself at risk like that. No, he had the, the, the posture of a person who was submitted to the will of God. And what we've said already is that the posture of our hearts influence our capacity to hear from God and our ability to receive from God. This was a gift. It wasn't packaged 
probably in the way that he would have liked it. But this was an absolute gift. God spoke to him and he listened. And God is still speaking. God is still speaking to us. He still speaks. He might not necessarily come in the form of an angel, but he still speaks to his people. Let's look at some of the ways that God speaks. Number one, God can speak through circumstances. I remember about 11 years ago, I was in a crossroads myself trying to decide whether or not God was calling me to ministry or not. True story, August of 2011, I just been pretty much offered a job from my alma mater, the University of Memphis, to go work for that, that college, and it was going to come with a salary. And for a 23-year-old, that was great, and it was going to come with a place to live. But I also sensed a call to ministry that wasn't going to necessarily come with a salary. It was a Bible institute that I had an opportunity uh, to go through, and I had to decide whether or not I was going to take this job at the university with the salary or take this opportunity at this Bible institute, and uh, we'll see what happens. And I sensed the Lord calling me to go through the Bible Institute, but man, I was torn and I was struggling with that decision. So true story, one afternoon I had what was basically not an interview, but a meeting uh, with the university to basically accept the job. And I sensed the Lord saying, you probably don't want to do that. And I was like, ugh, but I, but I wanted to do that. And so I get in my car, I get on the expressway, I'm headed to the, the, the school to accept this role, and I have a blowout in my tire. My tire goes flat, boom, explodes on the expressway. I have about 4% battery. I have just enough battery to call the job and say, hey, I can't come, and just enough battery to call my dad and say, hey, I need somebody to come pick me up. I was stranded on the expressway for about two hours in the heat in the Memphis sun in August. It was on fire, and I had plenty of time to hear from God and I saw that circumstance as God telling me to potentially or to directly pivot in another direction. I called the people the next day. I declined the job. I did the Bible Institute, ended up finishing that program, and my wife went through the same Bible Institute. I met her, so I think things worked out for me. <laughs> but I think God spoke through that circumstance, and sometimes he does that. Sometimes he speaks through people. Never un underestimate the common cup of coffee. Never underestimate the word from a child even. God can speak through people. God can speak through dreams and visions. We see this happening in Joseph's scenario. And some of you may have experienced that. God can speak through our thoughts. That still small voice that's telling you to do something or to not do something. God can speak through supernatural manifestations. This is Moses with the burning bush. He does that. And God can speak through the Bible. Never underestimate the common reading of God's word. He primarily speaks to us through his word. He still speaks. But the question is, are we listening? Joseph had a dark night of the soul. Can you imagine what he was going through that night as he's tossing and turning? He had a dark night of the soul. But what we can see is our God, who is full of grace and compassion, speaks to him in this moment of confusion. And he still speaks to us in our moments of confusion because he's a kind God who loves us enough to speak to us and encourage us as we need it and also confront us as we need it. Some of us may be on a path where God is telling us to turn around because we headed down a path of potential destruction 
And God loves you enough to speak to you. Maybe he's spoken to you through a family member. Maybe he's spoken to you through his word. And maybe he's speaking to you through a preacher today. And who knows, maybe you're not too excited about that. But God speaks to us. He's always talking. But the question is, are we listening? I'll be honest, we live in one of the noisiest time periods in the history of the world. So much stimulation, so much marketing, so many things coming at us, and social media, and the news, and notifications, and our own thoughts. And it can just sound like this. It can sound so loud. How am I supposed to hear from God in all of this? When me and my spouse are going back and forth, and the kids are fighting in the background, and the teeth. How am I, and my boss has demands on me at work, and I have deadlines to meet. How am I supposed to hear from God in this? And on top of that, I want to be heard too. So all this noise is going on in my life around me, and I want to make it. I want to make a little noise right on top of it. But I also want to hear from God, and I don't feel like I can hear from God. Is God still talking? Is God still speaking? He is. God is speaking, but we have to get close to him and draw near to him. Unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more God calls us to draw near to him, to carve out some space where we're not making so much noise and maybe getting in the space where we don't hear all of the noise in the world and making him a priority. He's always speaking. From your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart. But are we listening? Thanks, you. Ash. But are we listening? He's speaking. But are we listening? He's compassionate. And he cares about what's going on in your life. And maybe you don't need to carve out three or four hours to hear from him. Or maybe you do. Maybe you do need to take some, some extended time and hear from him. Or maybe you just need to carve out 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just to hear what God has to say. He loves you. He's always talking. But are we listening? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name. God, we thank you that in your grace and in your compassion, you've decided to speak. You spoke through your son when you sent him 2,000 years ago. You speak through your word. You speak through the mouths of babes. You speak through rocks. You speak through situations. And you speak through family and friends. God, I pray that we will be willing to listen, that we will be willing to hear from you. God, we thank you and we love you. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.